Yeah, I was doing the math, and I uh, realized that uh, Stan and I had been friends for 35 years. That was back when we both had hair. And uh, I met Stan uh, in high school, like he said, and I know I'm driving the sound, guys. I apologize for moving up in front of your speakers. But uh, we, um, oh, we both went to UMS. I thought I was the only Christian in school. I really did. And I was really pretty lonely, and I, and I, I really was kind of hurting. And I had been praying and asking God to just be with me, minister to me, help me to be a witness there, you know, in high school and all. And and because uh, he had really he had really done some stuff in my heart when I was about 15 years old. And uh, one day I, I walked into what we call the Battalion Review Staff Office, which was our school newspaper. And Stan, I'd just been kind of picked up as a photographer for the school paper, right? And I walked in and Stan was sitting behind the desk. He was the editor at the time because I think he was the only one of all of us that could spell. And so we... we you know, as I walked in, I was going to eat my lunch in the office, and I looked up, and Stan takes his Bible out and lays it on his desk. And I looked at him, and I said, do you know Jesus? And he goes, I do, do you? <laughs> and I said, hallelujah. I just prayed for you. You don't, you don't understand. I needed somebody to minister to me and somebody to be a friend to me. And the Lord sent you. And, you know, there have been times when when the Lord is, you know, like Stan said, I mean, we've, we've held each other accountable and we've, we've ministered to each other and it's, it's a two-way street, you know? And we're dependent on each other as friends and as brothers. And part of what I want to talk about today is part of that unity and part of that, that relationship. And just a little bit about me. I, I, I've spent 21 years in the United States Coast Guard Reserves. Uh, I served in port security mainly as an expeditionary officer, uh, part of a package that we would take and go anywhere in the world in order to uh, provide security for the, for the load in when they bring the ships in and, and uh, bring all the war supplies in. I've also spent over 25 years as a police officer here in the city of Mobile, so I'm about half crazy. And so when I get going, I want you to know that the Opinions shared here do not reflect those of the city of Mobile or the United States Coast Guard, all right? Hopefully, by the grace of God, they will represent the heart of the Lord because that's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to share Jesus with you. If you don't see Jesus, if you don't experience him, if you don't know him, if you don't sense him and feel him and he doesn't stir your heart, then I failed because I'm not here to really talk about my, you know, my, my, military service. I have known some incredible people in my life. One of the blessings of serving in the military and one of the blessings of serving on the police department is I have known some of the bravest, some of the most self-sacrificing people that you could ever even imagine. I mean, just some of the most incredible folks. When I was a rookie, I got into a fight with a robbery suspect and got my face rearranged. And they took me off to the hospital and, and, uh, to, to do some work on me and to, and to kind of put me back together. And I was laying in my hospital bed and my partner, whose name was Baker, came in. And it was kind of funny because I had these two old crusty sergeants, you know, they were standing there when Baker walked in. And, and one of them looked at him and said, or looked at me and said, man. They hit him right in the nose. 
I mean, my face was all swollen. It was ugly. I mean, it ain't better now, but... And the old sergeant said, look, he hit him right in the nose. And the other sergeant looked at him and said, what else would they have hit? You know, I mean, look at the guy, you know. But old brother Baker came in and he had been working midnight shift and this all happened about one or two in the morning. And Baker walks into my tree, you know, into the hospital room where I'm laying there and and, you know, I'm, I'm still jazzed up. I got a lot of adrenaline going on. You know, they're, they're still, you know, they just caught up with the bad guy, and my partners had caught him, you know, and, and it was really, really an exciting time that night, you know. It's probably the first time I think I'd been within, I'd been on the department about a year maybe. So within a year, I'd already been in a deadly threat situation. Actually, the thing that I feared the most is what happened to me that night. It was kind of odd. And I was laying in that bed, and they, you know, stripped all my weapons off of me. You know, they, now I've got this guy out there that, that wants to kill me or tried to kill me, and I don't know about his family. I don't know who they are. They're putting it on the news that I'm at this hospital, and I'm feeling a little threatened, you know, because I, I, they've, they've stripped me of everything that I can use to protect myself. They wouldn't let me keep my gun, you know. And my partner, Baker, came in, and he, I said, yeah, I'm... So I don't think I can get any sleep. I said, I'm a little jazzed up, and I expressed my concern, and I expressed my little bit of my fear of them putting my information out in the media, you know. And Baker had been up all night long, and he was sitting next to me, and he said, hey, brother, you, you go ahead and go to sleep. I'll be here. I was amazed at that guy's love for me and his commitment to me. You know, he'd been up all night. I had to literally just basically chew him out to get him to leave and go get some rest because he had to come back to work again. But he stayed by my side in hopes that I could get some rest so that I would feel safe, so that I would feel protected. I met another lady in the United States Coast Guard. We were getting ready to go overseas, and it was about 5 in the morning. It was real early, and... And by the way, I want to take the opportunity to tell you, this is my wife, Miss Nancy. She's here with me. And, and if you are married to a veteran, if you supported a veteran and you're a family member of a veteran, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Because I don't know, not a lot of people don't think about it, but you see the men standing up here that we serve, we're on the front, everybody recognizes, everybody claps. But man, at home is where the battles won and, and fought. So God bless you for your service as well, because I know you served day for day every time they were gone, and I thank you for that. But we were all getting ready. Our, our troops were lining up or, you know, starting to pour in, and we were getting ready to get on a bus to take us over to the airport. And uh, one of my chiefs came up to me, and he said, uh, Commander, he said, look, um, uh, Lieutenant, I was Lieutenant at the time, he said, Lieutenant, uh, Zora may not be here. I said, what's going on? You know, I mean, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? We're under orders. We're getting ready to deploy, and you're telling me that one of my members is not going to be there. And he said, well, she, she was at the hospital all night. Her stepfather, who raised her, who she's very close to, this lady, um, she was at the hospital with him last night, and he passed away about 3 o'clock this morning. So I looked at him. I said, no problem. 
what we'll do is we'll send a message out, let them know that she'll come in. She can come in a couple, you know, tell her to take care of her family, tell her to stay home, you know, tell her to take care of everything and get them settled, and then we'll bring her over later. Tell her not to worry about it. We'll, we'll cover it. Well, I looked up and in formation, you know, I'm taking the reports, and I look up, and there's Zora standing there. Her name was Zora Tate. And she was a third-class petty officer. She used to drive a boat for me. <laughs> and she's standing in formation. Five o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, her father had passed away at two o'clock in the morning. And I walked out and said, what are you doing? Go home. Take care of your mother. Take care of your family. Go home and take care of what you need to do, and we'll bring you over later. You're not... You know, you don't have to do this. And she looked at me square in the eyes and she grabbed her bags and she goes, no. I'm going to do my duty. And she got on that bus and she deployed and she served honorably for the seven months that we served over in Kuwait. I couldn't believe it. I was amazed at her sense of dedication, her sense of duty, or just her fortitude, you know, to be able to step up and press through her sorrow, press through her grief, press through all the things that she was facing and all the things that were going on in her head in order to perform her duty. You know, my father is a veteran. He, he's a physician, and he served in Vietnam. And in 1967, he was in Vietnam serving as a flight surgeon for a battalion of helicopters. And one evening, they, they got shelled. And my dad was in Iraq at the time, and he jumps out. And for those civilians, that's a bed or a cot. He was in Iraq at the time. And he rolled out onto the ground, grabbed his helmet, grabbed his flak jacket, and grabbed his medical kit and started to run for a bunker. Except he get, didn't get his flak jacket on. He ended up leaving it behind to, keep, to carry his bag. And as he was diving into a foxhole, he got hit in his left shoulder with uh, some shrapnel from a mortar. And he said he went and he laid in that ditch and he said he was shaking and he was fearful and he, was, he really, really wanted his mother because he thought he was going to die. But then he heard people yelling out for help and he began to, to gather himself up and he, he went out and then began to treat some of the wounded. And my father, bless his heart, stood for hours at an operating table with shrapnel in his shoulder in order to work on other injured soldiers that had gotten hit that day. And when I heard that story, I was so proud, you know. And after they had operated for hours and got everybody else taken care of, they said, all right, it's your turn. And they laid him on the table and they, they took the shrapnel out of him. But I was amazed. I was amazed at his strength and his bravery and his selflessness that he was willing to defer his own care in order to take care of those that needed it. And if you have your Bibles, I want to talk a little bit about some others that have sacrificed that we may, we may know a little bit more about. 
You know, Paul is writing to the Philippians, and I'm going to be in Philippians 2 today. And Paul's writing in Philippians, and at this point in time, he's in jail in Rome. And he's writing this letter back to them, and he's, he's trying to admonish them, and he's trying to minister to them. And I think that's kind of interesting, some of the things that he says. He talks about in, in verse, or chapter 1, verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So Baker, man, he was incredibly loyal, you know? Zora was set on her duty. My dad's self-sacrifice and his deferment of his own treatment was an incredible sense of selflessness. And here's Paul in jail, in prison, and he said, listen, I'm excited about being here in jail because the guards are even learning about Jesus. And I think, man, what an incredible thing. He took joy in the fact that he was sacrificing and suffering for the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't dig suffering. It's not my favorite thing. In fact, if you found me in jail, I'd probably be crying. I probably wouldn't be singing. I probably wouldn't be happy. I sure wouldn't be writing letters to everybody going, hey, having a wonderful time, wish you were here. You know? (laughs) What an incredible amount of faith. But he's sacrificing. He's going through this suffering. He's going through it. And I think that he... He's a little concerned about the Philippians. He wants them to live worthy of the sacrifice that was made for them. You know, I've got a couple of medals. But you know, I'll tell you something that means more to me than the medals that I've been awarded. And that's to sometimes get out and look and see kids playing in a park to see families enjoying themselves, to see brothers and sisters worshiping freely, to see all of the things and the blessings that come with the sacrifice. Paul's saying, listen, I'm in jail, but that's okay because these people are even learning about Jesus. And the sacrifices that my friends have made and the sacrifices that our other friends here have made They're worth it because you enjoy the blessings of the sacrifice. You enjoy it. You know, before we went overseas, I was meeting with my troops and I told them, I said, you know, I just had this epiphany, you know. I didn't know what we were getting into. I didn't know what we were facing. I knew that it was going to be tough. I knew there were going to be long hours. I knew we were going to be tired. I knew that that it wasn't going to be very glamorous, it was going to be nasty work, and it was. And as we went into our our assignment, as we got there in the desert, it was a pit. I'm telling you, it was a pit. We lived in a tent. uh, When I hit the ground, it was 140 degrees. It was like opening the oven to look at the cookies. It was incredible. And I was living on a little cot. I had a little space, about five by five. Yeah, I shared a tent with nine other guys. That ain't fun, you know. 
24-7, no matter what time it was, if there was an incident, we were there. We had to be there. And I knew it was going to be ugly, and I knew that there was going to be times of sacrifice, and I knew there were going to be times that my guys were going to hit the wall, that they were going to run face to face with a decision to make. And that decision was, am I going to go on? Am I going to keep pressing on? Am I going to do my duty? Am I going to go all the way to accomplish the mission that I'm being sent to do? And so when we were talking and we were kind of bouncing things back and forth before we left, I said, listen, right now, right now in this moment, in this time, you need to decide what's worth your life. You need to decide how much you're willing to pay in order to win the freedom that we enjoy. You need to decide right now because when it's going on, you don't want to have to face that decision on top of all the other confusion that's happening. And I told him, you need to find something that is worthwhile, something that you're willing to die for. Some guys came up to me later, and and I said, man, I'm mad at y'all. Y'all didn't even give me an amen. That was a pretty good speech I gave, you know. And one of the guys said, let me tell you something. He said, I was choking back tears. He said, because I was seeing my daughters playing free in my front yard. Another guy said, well, I was seeing my parents, and man, my parents were, were enjoying sitting on their porch and enjoying the liberty and the freedom that we provide for them. They said, How? they said, man, we, we were choked up over what you said. And Paul is sitting here saying, listen, it's worth the sacrifice that I've made. It is worth it. In Philippians 1.27, he says this, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I am here of your, of, I hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said, listen, I'm in jail and I'm following after God and I'm doing what God is telling me to do. And what I'm asking of you is for you not to waste what I have done. I've shared the gospel with you. You have the truth. You have the liberty. You have the freedom. Live worthy of the sacrifice. Don't make my sacrifice worthless. And when I think of my buddy Baker, and when I think of Zora, and I think of my dad, and I think of Paul, It brings about a light. It brings about a contrast. I began to look at my life. I began to look at the way I'm living. I look at the way I'm expending the time that God has given me on this earth. And I wonder, is it worth what they've done for me? Is it worth it? He goes on in chapter 2 and he says, listen, these are the things that you need to be doing. These are things I want to see in you. Listen, I'm in chains. You need to be carrying on the mission. You need to be carrying on the ministry. You need to be carrying on the glory of God. I'm in chains and I'm ministering right where I am. You need to be ministering right where you are in Philippi. 
And you need to be ministering right here where you are at Northside. And he says this, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, he's saying, listen, if there's any justification for what I'm going through, this is what I want to see in you. This will make it all worthwhile for me. He says this, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Being like-minded. Stop all your bickering and your fighting. If we are all headed to Jesus, we're going the same way. Be like-minded. Be one with one another. Think on God and pursue Him with all that you are. He said, having the same love and being of one accord and one mind. He said, listen, I don't want to hear about you fighting. I don't want to hear about your discourse. I don't want to hear about you throwing rocks at each other. I'm in jail and I'm suffering and I want you to live worthy of the sacrifice that I'm making. He said, listen, the greatest consolation I can hear, the greatest justification for all the suffering, all the things that I've been through, the greatest thing you could tell me is you love one another and you're unified in your love. Even Jesus said that. They'll know you because you love one another. The greatest of all these things is love. Is that not what the Word says? And Paul's saying, I'll rot in this jail. I'll go all the way to the cross. I'll go all the way to the stake if you tell me you love one another in the Lord Jesus. You have the luxury and the liberty to love one another. Don't waste it. He said, I don't like them. I didn't ask if you liked them or not. I'm telling you to love them. He goes on, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So he's saying, listen, I want you to be one in the Spirit. The consolation for me in in my suffering is this, is if you love one another, you are one in mind, one in purpose, one in the Holy Ghost. But you don't do anything for yourself. You die to yourself. You put away your own self-interest. You allow God to put you to death so that you can live in his purpose and his ways. He's saying, listen, you need to be more concerned about your brothers and your sisters than you are about yourself. Wouldn't that be a great church? That'd be awesome. Wouldn't you like to go there? Wouldn't you like to to be a part of something that that represents God? (laughs) Represents God in his unity, God in his love, God in his purpose, God in his plans. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it just be incredibly miraculous if we loved one another more than we loved ourselves? It would. You have the liberty. 
You have the freedom. The price has already been paid so that you can live in that way. You say, why in the world would I do this? Why in the world? You know, you told me about Baker. You told me about Zora. You told me about your dad. You told me about Paul and his sacrifice. Why in the world would I lay down my life for them and for their illustration and for their testimony? Paul, said, Paul gives you the reason. And when you begin to look at this, you begin to realize why he's willing to suffer, why he's willing to go to jail, while he's willing to minister to those that are around him. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, Jesus did it. That's why. Paul, all Paul is doing is emulating what Jesus did. He's living out his life under the character. He's living his life out under the the guidance, out of the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He's living God out in that jail. And he's telling them, listen, you need to be just like me. You need to be willing to lay down your life. You need to be willing to be one with God and one with his purpose. You need to be willing to be of of unity and you need to be willing to love your fellow man more than you love yourself. Why? Because Jesus did it. Because he did it. He was the first fruits. He was the first one to live it perfectly. You say, well, you don't know who I am. You don't know my status. You don't know what I got going on. Listen, if Jesus could do it, you can do it. You say, well, I don't see what what you're getting at. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So here's Jesus. He is God. He is God. And he emptied himself out. He gave it up. He didn't assert his authority. He didn't assert who he was. He could have stood off. He could have stood back. But he came down and became a man just like us. So I don't know if I can humble myself. Listen, if he can humble himself that far to us, you can humble yourself a little bit to help your brother and sister in the Lord. It blows my mind. How in the world do you take a God that can speak everything into being and cram him into the womb of Mary? Figure that one out. I don't see how it happens. I don't see how it happens. But he laid his reputation down. He laid his position down. He laid everything down for us. But made himself of no reputation It says he poured out himself. He poured it out. He got rid of it. He made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So you see, we've got Baker was incredibly loyal. Zora was committed to her duty. My dad was very, was very selfless. You have Paul, who is a great pastor. He cares about these people. 
And he's willing to go to jail just so that people can hear the gospel. And he sees the blessings and the goodness of it. And then you have Jesus. Jesus. The one who left the right hand of the Father, came to earth in the flesh, lived among us to illustrate to us what the Father was like. He spoke to us life and gave us hope, and he offered us salvation through the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And you know, lately the Lord has really been ministering to me and really been hitting me pretty hard with this. And it's this, you know, a lot of times I think that my sin, Jesus or the Father just takes an eraser and just erases that thing away. But that's not really what happened. What really what happened was is that the wrath of the Father was poured into Jesus himself and he was beat for me. He was... He took on my stripes. He paid the price for my sin. What I should have gotten, Jesus got on the cross. So here we stand. What is our response? We have veterans that have bought us. They have shed their blood, sacrificed their lives, expended all their, they expended time, You see these brothers that are coming back all busted up and they have given you, they have given you their health and their life because their life is not the same anymore. So what are you doing with it? What is it that you are doing with the liberties that God has given you? Are you speaking the truth because you have the right of free speech? Are you worshiping regularly and you're in church and you're faithful in church because you have the freedom and the liberty to come to church? There are people that shed their blood so that you can be faithful to this place. What are you doing with it? My prayer is that you're not wasting it. And then you have Paul and you have Jesus who have done everything for you. They have bought you the liberty of freedom from your sin. They have bought for you an opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. They have bought for you, he has bought for you the opportunity for you to have access to the Father. He has bought for you the opportunity for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He has bought for you truth. He has bought for you Every revelation that is given unto man, he has bought it with his blood. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with his word? What are you doing with what he has showed you? What are you doing with the life that he has offered you? Do not waste the opportunity. His joy, his joy is to see us in one accord, loving one another, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. I give you one more verse and I'm done. In 2.17, let's go back to 16. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, 
If I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. What a great line. Paul said, listen, if I am being poured out, if I'm being wasted, if my life is being spent in order to help you and to minister to you and for you to have faith in God, he said, then we both rejoice together. Paul said, it's worth it. For me to see your joy, for me to see your relationship with the Lord, for me to see life in you, for me to see love in you, for me to see the unity, it is worth everything that I can pay to make sure that you are in faith. That is a great testimony. And as a veteran, I can tell you this, it would have been well worth my life for you and for my family to be free. And I can tell you this, by the authority of the scripture, that Jesus loves you. And when he sees and looks back at the cross, and he looks at you and looks at your faith, he looks at your praise, he looks at your worship, he looks at his relationship with you, he counts it joy that he was able to sacrifice for you. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. With everything that you are, with everything that you have, glorify your Father. Glorify God.